Good morning. Good to see you guys. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So, um, so yeah, man, I uh, I had to rush the uh, the worship team because they about to go crazy off, you know. And uh, we were in the spirit, and I appreciate it. The problem is we got another service, and I got to get up and um, and get them done. So I booted them off the stage, uh, and I told them they can finish that song at the eleven thirty service. Uh, so. So cool. Well, so happy to see you all and uh, just excited about this past week, man. Had a wonderful week, uh, man. Uh, my, my family, well, my wife and I went to a dinner for seven uh, this past Friday and really had a good time. Who else? Anybody else go to a dinner for seven this week? Dope, dope. That's dopeness. Uh, for our guests, if you don't know what that is, Dinners for Seven is something that we do just to get to know each other. Uh, they're a host. So when you receive the email, basically there is a host family who has um, decided that they'd be willing to have some friends from the church just come to the house to eat. That's it. Just to have a good meal. How many of you all love free food? All right. All right. Yeah, that's all the difference seven is. It's free food. You get free food, good fellowship and conversation. So next time the list comes around, just go hang out. Go kick it. Go over to somebody else's house. I love it because I can dirty up other people's dishes and, uh, and leave. You know, there's, there's no cleaning to do afterwards. I just go and I tell them, listen, the Lord be with you and all these dishes. And, um, and so, uh, so it's really cool to do so. Uh, but more importantly, the bond that we are hoping to create to get to know one another past our Sunday morning experiences, this is one of the ways that we're intentionally trying to do so. So hopefully uh, next time around when we have them again, I hope that you'll sign up and, um, and you'll host it. Uh, except for when the Titus holds it, the Titus family, I'm the only one who can go. Um, he's, he's, I'm not allowing anybody else to go because Kevin can really cook if you guys have never had his food. Uh, he can really cook. And so he says when they hosted, I said, well, I'm going to take your name off the list. I'll just come by myself. And, um, and the rest of you all, I'll brag about it afterwards. Yes, I am. I am TJ. I am shady. I admit to it. I admit to it. Um, so uh, this was a good week. And um, we... Um, just have been blessed, but in that, well, you want know, to just let you know a few people know about kind of that their family's thinking about them, particularly the Richardson family. Um, they've had, you know, and I don't want to put everything out, but they've just had a lot of stories uh, over the past month um, where just life has happened. And so uh, I want to pause for a moment. First of all, let Don and Bridget know that we love you guys and we're with you. Uh, and then we're just going to say a brief prayer. Uh, for their family as they go through this season. Um, but also, I love the transparency of our community and how it's growing. Uh, I pray that we will continue to grow to be a church that doesn't feel like we have to show up on Sundays and put on a mask to try and impress one another, uh, but that we can come before one another transparent and vulnerable. And I appreciate it, Brother Tashan, on Facebook saying, hey, here is my need, here is my story. And uh, more importantly, I love to see the generosity that was expressed through you guys. You are amazing, and I appreciate you not just allowing that to go unfulfilled, but you said, hey, my brother, I love you. Here's what I can do for you. Give yourselves a hand for that. I, man, really appreciate that, man, for that. So uh, let, let us lift up, and I'm sure there's some other stories. So uh, I'm going to pray for all of us, but I really want to uh, just to zero in on both the Richardson family and Tashan, who's also having some physical issues, and I want to keep that in mind. Uh, moving forward. So brief prayer. Uh, God, we, we thank you because you are love. And because you've displayed perfect love towards us, God, we know how to love. But God, we fall short 
over and over and over again. And I am so grateful that you don't judge us based upon our shortcomings. But while we were yet in our sin, you died for us. God, may we always keep that attitude in the forefront of our hearts and our minds when we see and feel the pains, the burdens of our brothers and sisters and their experiences. So God, our hearts are breaking, the Lord, for the Richardson family with so much loss and grief at this season for. God, you told us that when others grieve, we ought to grieve along with them. And so we pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be with their family, that they will experience your fullness and your wholeness in due time. But also for our brother Tashan, God, we, we pray that you uh, continue to prove yourself to be Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God, our provider. And God, as he is journeying through the physical um, challenges he has, I, I pray, God, that you do a work there, but then you also provide means that you open up doors and that he is able, Lord, to proudly step into the field that he desires and, Lord, and rejoice in your goodness. But the unspoken prayers here, God, we lift up as well. We still remember our sister Veronica and her missing nephew. We know of the stories of anxiety and depression. We know of the needs, Lord, within our community, God, and we put those before you, laid them at your feet. And God, may we be a community that not only worships well together, but may we serve well alongside one another. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you guys so much. Well, on... On that same note, we are started a new series today, just a, a two-week series, uh, and the series is entitled Abundant, Abundant. And so for the next couple of weeks, uh, we're just going to have like a family discussion. Is that okay? Yeah, we're just going to have a family discussion, and we're going to talk about things that families talk about, all right? And here's, here's the thing. If you are a guest with us, this isn't a private family discussion. I hope that you listen in and you'll discover what kind of family we are aspiring to become as we start this conversation for the next couple of weeks. Next week, uh, Pastor Matt will get up and he'll be talking about serving, abundant serving. And today, today, I've got the wonderful, blessed job of talking about abundant giving, Abundant giving. That's what I'm talking about. Exciting. We're talking about money. Yeah. Woo. All right. All right. Here's the thing, man. We have to talk about money, right? We have to talk about money. Now, here's the thing. I want to be very clear with this. Uh, our, our posture here is not the conversation or the discussion of money based upon just simple human ideas of giving towards uh, nonprofits or things like that for the sake of the work. We give for that. That helps. We'll talk about that in a moment. But we look at giving here as a spiritual thing because Scripture says so. It's important that we talk about money because check this out. Jesus says to us in Matthew 6, 24, it says, listen, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and you will love the other or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, check this out, serve both God and money. Now, we have to ask ourselves if all of the things that Jesus could have mentioned all of the things that he could have talked about. Why did he say God and money? Well, I'd argue part of the reason, our major part of the reason is Jesus knows that one of the greatest competitors for our heart is money. Because we confuse the resource of money with the source who is God Almighty. 
We think oftentimes that it is what comes into our bank account are those who sign our checks, that they are our provider, when we only have one provider, brothers and sisters, and his name is the Lord God Almighty. Matter of fact, did you know that in Scripture, the second most talked about subject in the Bible next to God himself is money? And I love it because if I were to survey you and I'd ask you, what do you think next to God is the most talked about subject? Some of you all would, I mean, you give a list of things and oftentimes about things in our heart, things that we judge people on. You know, I think that, I think that sexuality, you know, it's probably the second thing. No, it's not that. And it's not none of those other things that we are often burdened by. It's, it's money because Jesus sees what money means to humanity and how it competes for our faithfulness towards him. And so this week, we're going to talk about how do we diligently submit our hearts to the Father and try to love him well, even with our finances. And what, what, what does life look like when you put your money under the authority and the will of the Father? And so being a church all my life, I'm a bit of a church mutt. I like to say mutt because I've, I've been in church since I was a kid, but I've also been in, in many different denominations. And, um, and so I've, I've learned and heard a lot of money talks and I've felt shame and guilt. The goal today is to not make you feel shame nor guilt about this. It's to inspire your hearts to see what Jesus says about giving and about our responsibilities towards the church. But I, I don't like to hear those messages about, well, listen, you should give because, you know, the church has responsibilities just like you do. You get an LG&E bill every, every you know, month and the church does as well. You've got rent, the church does as well. I don't like those talks because I think they cheapen the discussion. Because it's not about responsibilities. It's not about the budget per se. It's a greater call other than those shallow conversations. Or I've heard people say that, you know, you've been blessed. Therefore, since God has blessed you, you should bless God back. I, 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 I agree with that to a degree, but I feel like that kind of makes it shallow. That, that's another part of the shame and guilt that's been used to convince us to do so. I don't, I don't think it's just about or as simple as you've been blessed, so you should give back just because you've been blessed, because that's, that doesn't have anything to do with the heart. And I think what Jesus is talking about giving, especially the verse that I just read for us, when he's talking about giving, he's talking about a heart issue. Not necessarily just some logical idea that we can talk about. And so, well, it kind of makes sense then that since he does this, then I should do that. That, that has nothing to do for the heart. It's, it's about the heart. And so I see there that there, there are three, three levels to giving. Uh, the first one is, is you have to. Right, right. That's, that's, that's the law, all right? Some people uh, exist here where you believe in the scriptures and what Jesus says, and you follow the commands, and oftentimes um, that births resentment in our hearts, and you just give reluctantly, you know, just because I have to, here, take this, and, you know, just because I'm supposed to. The law requires me to do so. But then there's the other level, which is you ought to, which is more about obligation, same thing as the first person. You believe in the scriptures. You, you, you listen to them. You try to grow. It makes sense to you. However, there's something in your heart that just surpasses the legalistic. But for you, it's about behavioral modification. Well, you know, as a believer, this is kind of the behavior that I ought to exhibit. 
You know, there's an expectation here. It's kind of like, check this out. How many of you all, if you're in a relationship, we don't have to raise our hands, but it's almost like, hey, you know, if we are married, if in a relationship together, um, I, I'm going to want you to, to, to love me, uh, to show me affection just because you ought to. Because you ought to, because, you know, we're, 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 we're together. We're in a committed relationship. So you hug me, kiss me, love me because you ought to. Who wants to be in a relationship where that exists? Right? Right? So when we talk about the relationship towards God and our faithfulness and our commitment to him, I, I don't think that God wants our ought to love. No, no, just, just because you ought to. I think what God hopes and desires from us is the third level, which is that you want to. This is about grace. This person, just like the first two, they know the scriptures, they believe, they understand the obligations and the responsibilities of believers, of being a part of the community of faith. They know that the church has responsibilities and all those other things, but there's something in their hearts because they recognize the grace that has been given to them by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They know that not Ford, not UPS, not Humana, not whomever it is, that they are not the source, they are not the provider, that no one but God Almighty is. And since they recognize that with every fiber of their being, they love to give to show the Lord just how much I love you. And this is a way for me to respond to the grace that has been first given to me. My brothers and sisters, this is the place where I hope that we as a church community can land, that all of us get to the place where we are recognizing that I give not out of obligation of law. I give because I recognize his grace, that my God is good and because he's so good. I just want to show him my appreciation. I think there is a scripture that kind of perfectly illustrates this. If you can give me just a few more minutes since the worship team stole all my time. There is a scripture that I think highlights this. So if we go to Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, and we'll try to move through this thing a little bit here. Uh, what you'll find in Genesis, 18 chapter, oh, Genesis 14, 18 through 20 is this scripture. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out all the bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave a tenth of everything. Good story here. What happens basically, essentially, is that Abram has just uh, completed a rescue mission. His nephew Lot was kidnapped. He was a prisoner of war. And Abram took some of his men and he went out and he rescued his nephew Lot. And then he encounters this king, the king of Salem, whose name is Melchizedek, who was also a priest of the Most High. Uh, Melchizedek blesses Abram. Abram then goes and blesses Melchizedek, the priest with a tithe of the spoils that he got from, from war. But I'll tell you what highlights the story a little bit better. If we can go to the New Testament, to Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, and we'll hear the writer of Hebrews talk about this in a little bit more detail. Verse 1 in Hebrews 7 says, Then Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Say king of righteousness. King of righteousness. Then also king of Salem means king of peace. Say king of, peace. king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest 
forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect the tenth from the people. That is, from their fellow Israelites, even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descendant from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him and who had uh, blessed him who had given him the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater in case by him who declared to be living. One might even say Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Yeah, I love how the writer of Hebrews, how he breaks down the story, this mysterious King Melchizedek. They don't know his genealogy. They don't know where he comes from. That's unique because for all of the king's royalty, you typically can trace their lineage. They couldn't trace their lineage. There are some who believe that Melchizedek, which I think scripture kind of refutes that, excuse me, that Melchizedek is what you call a theophany, which is like an Old Testament or a visible version of God on the earth. Some people believe that, and uh, Paul and many other ones kind of refute that when you read the scriptures that that's not the case, but there's just a whole lot that they don't know about Melchizedek. He's just unknown, and he's this, this mystical figure whose name means king of righteousness, and who is the king of peace, of Salem, which is what we believe to be modern-day Jerusalem. And so this mysterious king, he comes, and he meets Abram after Abram defeats the kings, and his initial greeting is this blessing. Blessed be Abraham by God, the most high creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God, most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand. This was a simple priestly blessing, no different than what we'll do at the closing of our service, our gathering here today, where the priest pronounces, proclaims God's blessing over your life. And this is what Melchizedek was doing toward Abraham. He was fulfilling the role of the priest. And I love, just as much as Melchizedek's blessing, I love Abraham's response to his blessing. Melchizedek blesses. Abraham recognizes that the victory that he has just achieved in war by rescuing his nephew Lot, the victory comes nothing, no other way but through the hands of the Almighty God. And so since now Abram has been blessed because of the battle, he's received the victory and he's received the spoils of war. He then recognizes that the best way for me to demonstrate the goodness of God, the blessing that Melchizedek has just given to me is to give something back to show God how much I appreciate the victory. Man, that is a blessed way for us to give, for you to recognize that God gave me strength to wake up in the morning. And although Mondays are difficult and the days are hard and you work next to people that are complex and people don't understand you, the trials of the week, but you recognize, man, God gave me strength to make them 40 hours. And God gave me the blessing of a place to go to have work. Here's the one thing, man. The American people, our Western culture, we're so spoiled. Let me ask you a question. How many of you all in here are rich? I, I need everybody up in this room to raise your hand. Everybody, because 90% of the world's population live on less than $1.50 a day. Baby, listen, you are very rich. You just don't know it because we think that we are rich or we are not based upon Western culture or the Western idea of rich millionaires and billionaires. But I'm telling you, go to some third world nation. You will be balling out of control. You'll be making it rain. <laughs> we, 
we, we, don't, we don't know just how blessed we are. And that God, God, God opened the doors. It was God who allowed you to get the education. It was, it was God who created things for you. Yes, you went to an interview. Yes, you created the resume. All of those things are true. But I want you to ask yourself the question, whenever you think that it begins with you or that it begins with them, tell me who was in the beginning of the beginning. He's always there. He's always present. He's always doing things. And I don't know about you, but I'm a living testimony that God will take something and someone who is not worthy, someone who does not have the qualifications and how God will bless you and allow you to be in places and spaces that you know that you do not need to do. I get to wake up every day and do a job that I have never felt like I've worked a day in my life and blessed to use my gifts to the fullest, not because of something that I've done, but I recognize, man, God has his hands on me. And it ain't just something about me, man. God has blessed you with your gifts, whatever your skills, whatever it is. God has given you the opportunity to wake up tomorrow morning and go into a place and use the mind that he has given and put in you so that you would be able to use it, not just to accomplish the goal of your job, but more importantly, so that you can be a witness wherever you are. You do know that's why you're supposed to be there, right? You do know that you clock in each and every day, not just so you can fulfill the obligations of your job, but so that you can be a witness to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. You are there for God's purposes. Therefore, he opened the door so that you can be effective in your space. So glory be to God, Lord, if you open the door, the least that I can do since you bless me is I can turn around and show you how much I appreciate you. That's why we give. Because God has been faithful. I got to go. I got to go. Let me give you just a couple of quick points and then we'll get out of here so we can clear space for the next group. Uh, one thing that I want you to see about the tithe, let's kind of break some of these things down. The first thing is this. A tithe is the first 10% of what you receive from God. The tithe literally means 10th part. It is you recognizing God as your provider and the way we do so is returning just 10% of what he has provided for us. And so what we do in that is that we are ultimately proclaiming that God is our source, period. And the place where you go every day is not. Now, that's what the tithe is, but let's clear up some common misconceptions about this because I've been in church long enough to hear the arguments. Uh, some of uh, people say, well, you know, man, the, uh, that we don't need to tithe because tithing was a part of the law. It's about, it, it's the law. It's, it's Old Testament. We're part of the new, well, the story that we are opening up today, both in the Old and the New Testament, actually predates the law. And if you look as though the writer of Hebrews is using it to build his case, then it also postdates the law. It is before and after the law. Historically, the tithe is something that people have always done to show their appreciation for what God has done. So it's not just a law thing. It has nothing to do with law. It may have been incorporated into the law. But Abram, before there was a law, demonstrated the reality that we should give back to God before the law ever came to place. And then also they say, listen, well, you know, the New Testament doesn't really talk about it. Well, actually, it does. Not only in Hebrews chapter seven, where we are, but also if you go to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23, you'll see that Jesus himself affirms the reality of the tithe, that it is OK to tithe in Matthew 23. He says, listen, tithe, but don't forget about some of these other things, too. There's justice and mercy and all those. Don't we talk about that all the time here? 
So it's almost like we've been like doing the wrong prescription. We've been saying, hey, let's show justice and grace and mercy to our community. But we have been teaching the way that we do that a part of the way that we do that is we empower the church to be able to do so through our giving so that we can go out and minister to the people so that they'll know that justice and mercy and grace exist somewhere else but on television. We're able to do so. The second thing is a tithe is not giving. Let's be very clear about this. It is returning. The tithe is not giving. It is returning. Since God provides all that we have, he provided you with your job, with your family, with your work, with your house. Since God is the, he is the provider, period. If God is the source, whatever you have came from him. So if it came from him, you ain't never giving to him. How do you give something back to somebody who already owns it? Logically, that doesn't make sense. So it is not about giving. It is about returning, giving back to him. God, this is yours. I'm only giving you. I'm only returning to you what you first given to me. The third thing is this, is that the tithes are a source of blessing. You'll see this throughout the Old and the New Testaments, that the tithes are used to support the needs of people in ministry and the ministry itself, the only reason. Check this out. Part of the reason next week, we're going to march our tails down to 1212 South 4th Street in faith, believing that God is going to put us in that space here eventually, but also we're going to let the community know that we love them. We're going to demonstrate justice and mercy yeah, the only other way that we're going to be able to do that if the church has resources to provide that ministry to the people. And so we give them people things each and every month as much as we possibly can. We reach out to people. Did you know that your church supports missionaries? Did y'all know that? We support missionaries through, through your giving, people who are out, who are ministering to people. Your gifts go to those people. We are impacting people over the world, not because we got it to give, but we believe that we're supposed to be in support of what people are doing so that the name and the fame of Jesus Christ can go throughout the world. And then also, the last thing is this, giving a tithe is a heart issue, not a money issue. It's a heart issue. It's not a money issue. Jesus told us this himself. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. My old pastor used to tell me back in the days, uh, and I used to complain about not being able to give when I was a young, and, and um, he would say, well, well, well son, um, why don't you just open up your, your checking account and let me look at it? And I said, well, you know, that ain't none of your business. He says, well, I just want to show you. I, I, I can tell you whether or not you love Jesus or whether or not you love the world and its pleasures based upon seeing where you're swiping that card. Because where you put your treasure, that's where you ultimately love. Because giving, it's not, it's not, a, not a money issue, it's a heart issue. The Bible checks this out, and I want to be clear about this. The Bible doesn't say that we can't have nice things. We don't, we don't want to be that church that condemns you and shames you because you like nice stuff. I'm just saying it's, it's okay for you to have nice stuff. What I am saying, however, is, is that if your nice stuff supersedes God, then you might need to question if that stuff is your God and the God Almighty isn't. Because if you would rather have those things than to give to him, then what you're saying is it's those things that provide for you those things those things are your source and that he is not that's a reality it's a heart truth it's a heart issue i hear people say all the time man i, I can't afford i'm okay i can't afford to uh to give 
I'm okay. No, you're not. God. I'm sorry. Man. Listen, I say this all the time. I'm fat. Fat people sweat. And, um, and I'm okay with it because perhaps I'm losing weight as I'm preaching. Um, let me get back on track. Let me get back on track. Um, people say all the time, you know, I really can't afford to tithe. I'd argue the complete opposite. I believe that you can't afford not to tithe. The greatest detriment to the believers in the body, check this out, is that we don't spend enough time allowing God to be God for us. If you are always trying to provide for yourself, if you're always trying to make things happen for yourself, how does God be God for you? If you're constantly moving him out of the way so that you can do it on your own. And listen, I know, man, we talk about this all the time. Adulting, adulting is not fun, is it? You get tired of the bills or the responsibilities. Well, how about the reality that there's a space where you can be the child and you can allow God to be your father. And he wants to provide for you. He wants to give to you. Let him be God. There's, a, there's an old story, and I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up, and I'm going to have Wayne come up and he'll share something with us. There's an old story of a, a guy who prayed, and he says, you know, all the time, God, if I had enough time, I'd give it to you. If I had enough money, I'd share it with you. And if I had a glorious gift, I'd make it known throughout the world. And he prayed that, and God finally heard it. God said, you know what? I'm going to give him everything that he prayed for. I'm giving the time. I'm going to give him the money, and I'm going to give him the glorious gift just so that he can honor me the way that he said he would. Well, time goes on, man. He's got that time. He's got, he's got that money. Got raises and everything. He got the glorious gift. And then he started, started praying. Well, God, if I had a little, a little, little more time, and if I had a, a little, little more money, and if I had a different type of gift, I, I'd give those to you. And I was like, no, because it, it's not about any of those things. It's not about the time. It's not about the money. It's not about the gift. It's about your heart. And so God took everything that he had given to him. Now, I'm not saying that's what God is going to do to you, but here's what I'm trying to say to you. Brothers and sisters, you have enough time. Yeah. Stop letting Netflix steal it. You have enough money. You have the gifts. God's just waiting for you to give it to him. So as your church, here's what we're going to do. Um, I believe so strongly in this and this idea that we are going to put ourselves on the line to allow you to trust God with your money. And so starting today, we are issuing a 90 day tithing challenge. Simple rules. Commit to tithing to the Lord for 90 days. Submit your prayers to God, whatever your prayers may be. And if God does not show up for you in 90 days, we will fully refund you everything that you type within the 90 days with no questions asked. There will be no conversation. We'll cut the check and we'll go about our business. Because I believe so strongly that our God will show up for you. Not because you give, but because you're trusting. 
90 days. And so as Wayne, Wayne to come up, he's going to share Wayne's mastered the art of giving over the years and to, to share with us a little bit. And then also he's going to offer something through this process. So, sir. I'm going to offer you something. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you one rule right now before I even start talking. You cannot outgive God. Amen. You cannot outgive God with your time, your talent, or your treasures. You can't outgive Him. So just understand that's a rule. Yeah. I, for years, taught a class to couples on a subject called money and God's view of money. And when we started that class the first time, we gave him a challenge that first week. It was a 13-week class, 90 days. Yeah. And I said, take the 10% right off the top and give it. I want you to tie for the next 13 weeks. And if God doesn't do something in your life that is miraculous, that is different, a big neon sign lights up, you don't have to tie for the rest of your life. You don't have to give ever. Again, everybody that took the challenge, God did a miraculous thing in their lives. I had a couple, young couple, he comes in and he says, you know, I've written the biggest check of my life the last two weeks to the church. I got fired on Monday. <laughs> so this ain't working well. <laughs> I said, you know, just hang in there. We got 13 weeks, remember? Okay, okay, yeah, we got another 10 weeks. And then next week, they get a check from some dividend that they've gotten. He says, I wrote another check to the church, 10%. Everything comes to the door. I'm writing it to the church. Man, these are big checks. I just can't believe how big these are. I said, God will bless you. A couple weeks go by. He calls me on a Thursday night. He says, you'll never believe what happened. I said, well, don't share it now. Let's, let's share it in class next Tuesday. Oh, no, no. I want no, just, We'll share it in class next Tuesday. So I see him at church on Sunday. He says, can I just tell you what happened? I said, no, no, just share it on Tuesday. He comes an hour early on Tuesday. He helps me set up the classroom. He says, can I just, no, you can't share it. <laughs> I, says, yeah. I said, right after prayer. In fact, you can open in prayer today, and then you can share it with us. So he prayed, and he said, you will never believe what happened. I got a new job. Everybody goes, yeah, hey, great. You know, yeah, we were praying for that. Yeah, super. He says, but the job does three things that never my old job didn't do. One, I don't have to travel in this job. Number two, I get to have dinner with my wife every night. Yeah. And number three, it pays four times as much as I made in the other <laughs> job. Does God answer prayer? Does God answer the tithe challenge? He does. So I tell everybody, God can do more with 90% of your money than you can do individually with 100% of your money. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. So what we're going to offer, uh, because I understand that there's, there's fear involved in this at times, and um, Wayne is going to make himself available. He's a financial counselor. And so if you're fearful and you want to figure out how can I make this work, talk with Wayne. He will sit down with you and he will help you work on your budget and help you plan to do this well, all right? So we're gonna pray. Uh, when you come to the communion table, there are cards there. Um, take a card. And um, if you're certain today that you wanna do so, you can give it to me or to one of our greeters before we leave. Uh, but there'll also be a, a link on the website that we'll send out through email. And um, if you don't start today, it's okay. Start whatever day you feel like it. I believe so much in this that God will show up for you. 
that we're going to give you the opportunity to wrestle with it and then to respond. Amen? Amen. So let's do this real quick before we come to communion. No, we're, we're close. Let, let's, let's pray. Uh, not only for this, but I recognize that there's probably someone in here um, who, you know, trusting God with your money is one thing, but trusting God, period, is something else. And so we want to give you an opportunity to, to respond. And so if you do me a favor, if you just bow your head and let's pray. And if I can get uh, Captain Matt and Aaron, if you guys can stand and be aware for me. Um, if you're here and you're like, you know, Pastor, I hear you talking. It all makes sense. Uh, I, I'd like to trust God with my money. But first and foremost, I just want to learn how to trust God. Uh, man, this is something private between you and God. All, all hearts and eyes are closed and heads are bowed, so you don't have to worry about being put on the spot. If that's you, just stick your hand in the air. And these counselors will recognize who you are and will talk with you privately. Give you a moment. It's just a hand. You don't have to get up. You don't have to move. And I'm going to pray. and I'm going to pray for your strength to make that decision. And at the conclusion of the prayer, let's go to the table. God, thank you. You are our source. You are our provider. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, Lord, and we thank you for your faithfulness. To prove how faithful you are, God, you died on Calvary's cross so that we would have life. And I believe that there's someone in here who, today who needs to recognize that. Recognize that and to make that proclamation, Lord, before God's people and go to the pool and testify before the world of how they've been changed by the saving grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If that's you, stick your hand in the air so that we'll see you. Say, today is my day. And then all of us, God, so many of us who need to trust God as our source and our provider. God, may you give us the strength that our hearts will no longer be divided. But Lord, we will trust you with our resources as well. Lord, this is our prayer. We honor you and we give you thanks. This in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please come in your own time. Meet at the table.